Hi and welcome. We're so excited that you chose to join us today. And we hope that this message will inspire you to live the life that God designed you to live. For this message or others like it, you can go to our website or you can find us on our YouTube channel. Now sit back, relax, enjoy this message. Good job, Sam. How many glad you're in church this morning? Good. Praise the Lord. Um, just want to make one mention of one thing. We have a special speaker coming in in uh, October. I know it's kind of a long ways off to announce it, but uh, he's a guy that uh, Bill Johnson, if you ever heard of Bill Johnson, Bill Johnson says this is his favorite prophet. And so I give that as a high recommendation. So we have him coming in uh, October. His name is David Wagner. And so he's got a strong prophetic voice, strong prophetic gift. So I know that you'll be blessed by it. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them to uh, John's gospel, John 14. Uh, over the last few weeks, I've been talking to you about the way. Uh, some of you have probably know that my, my father passed away a week and a half ago on June 9th. And so it's been kind of a tough time for us uh, emotionally. Uh, you know, we've done a lot of crying, so I feel kind of numb right now from crying. So probably won't cry today. But, um, but my dad, he was a huge influence in our lives. Uh, he wasn't just, a, you know, sometimes people have fathers and maybe they don't speak too much into their lives. But my dad was huge, huge voice in my life, stabilizing factor. And so that doesn't mean I'm going off crazy right now, but I'm just saying that he was a, he was a great man. He um, was a, a wonderful Christian. He got saved when I was just a young boy, and he was a fanatical Christian. Um, he did a lot of work uh, in the church at the time that we were going to and uh, did a lot of work with the inner city kids and, and then um, traveled basically all around the world. Uh, I mean, pretty much every country you can name, he had been, been there on business. And uh, it, was, it was kind of funny. Um, my dad, he, um, he used to always think that when they'd pick, the cab drivers would pick him up at the airport, that they would drive around and run up the tab and then you know, drop him off at the airport. So one time he was in China and uh, he was convinced that the cab drivers in China would do that to run up the tail. So he took a piece of paper out and he, he penciled the route the guy was taking. So he, every time he'd go a block, he would draw a line to, uh, on a piece of paper. And then he just kept doing that and then pen, following the guy everywhere he was going. And he found the guy had done several loops around the motel before he got there. And so then when the guy goes, it'll be this much, he, go, he held the piece of paper up to him, showed him, showed him what he had been doing. But he was this kind of an uh, interesting guy. He, um, he, was, he was extremely generous. I mean, to, you wouldn't even believe it. I've been doing his, some of his book work. I was just shocked, way beyond. And then being at the funeral, having everybody come up to me and say, your dad did this, your dad gave this, your dad, it was just amazing. But, uh, but he, ne he didn't like to be taken advantage of. And so if he thought he was being taken advantage of, he'd get, he'd get really upset. So one time, um, my, uh, my mom was with him. And this is before the Iron Curtain had come down. And they were going into Hungary. Uh, I can't remember what town it was. But 
um, it was he was going in there for business, and so the border guard uh, customs took his camera away, and uh, so they got he made a big scene at the thing there, and this is before the you know this is when they were still under communism, and my mom was just telling him to shut up, shut up. He goes, and then he's telling the border guard, if you think I'm going to give you a bribe, you got another thing coming. You know, so it's just this, this big scene. But he didn't like to be taken advantage of. So anyways, but he, um, yeah, he uh, was a great man. He, um, I tell people this, that he, uh, he was out golfing one, one day, and um, actually the ranger came and said, Dan, the, the um, White House is calling. And he goes, he thought it was a joke. He said, the White House? He goes, yeah. And so he uh, actually, long story short, he, he was, uh, his company had won, a, won a, an award and they were, uh, President Reagan was inviting them to come to the White House and receive the, the award. And so it was a big honor, but he was a great man. We'll be, miss him a lot. Um, one, I'm happy for him because my mom died five years ago and so he always wanted to go home and be with my mom. And so now he has that opportunity to go home and be with his, to be with his wife. So that's, uh, that's an awesome privilege. So we're just working through some stuff here and uh, believe that. Uh, and next week when you come, we'll have this projector thing figured out. I said that last time it went down, but then it started working. And then uh, so now next week we'll have it worked out. But anyways, so if you have your Bibles... I'm ending uh, this series I started a few weeks ago and talking about the way, you know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the point that I'm trying to make or am making is that a lot of times what we do is we think of, of Jesus as being the solution, and he is the solution, but we think about Jesus as being the answer to our problems, and he is the answer to our problems, but sometimes the answer and the solution is that God wants us to go in a different direction. God wants us to choose a different way. How many can see what I'm saying? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Because what, what, what I mean by that is that sometimes as a Christian, we can choose to live our lives in such a way that what we're doing is we're violating principles of Scripture and we're actually bringing the problems upon ourselves. I don't know if you ever noticed this, but Jesus said this in John chapter 8. He said, if you, if you continue in my word, if you do this, if you continue in my word, you'll be my disciples indeed. You'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. And so he said, if you continue in the word, because a lot of Christians, they live their life by instinct. They just kind of like, this seems right to me. This seems like the right thing to do right now. Like sometimes if they get in conflict with somebody, they think, well, it seems like the right thing to do right now is to have unforgiveness and, and to be in strife and all this stuff and, or ignore the person or walk away. And so that seems right. And what happens a lot of times when we do that is that we are opening stuff, our, our lives up to demonic oppression and we don't even realize it. Because how many know there's a real devil? I mean, I don't like to talk about the devil that much because I don't like to give him attention. But there is a real devil, and he is looking for opportunities. Peter said that, that he walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. 
So that means he does devour people, right? But he, has to, he looks for an opportunity. Uh, he can't just devour people at, at, just at his will, but he has to look for opportunities. There's a verse in Timothy that talks about the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle to all, all men apt to teach, instructing those who are in opposition that they may recover themselves from the snare of the devil who's taken captive by him at his will. So in other words, what he's saying there is that when you get into strife, you actually get into Satan's territory. And so he'll always be there trying to draw you into strife. He'll always be setting things up. Like, you know, I remember one time there was a guy that would, would, um, he would lead worship here. And, uh, and so what happened was, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of a putsy kind of person. You know, I, like I'll look at something and, and it'll aggravate me. Some little thing will aggravate me. You know, I don't, have you, are you, any of you like that? I mean, I'm not like, ah, oh, just let it go. But some little thing will aggravate me. Like I'll look at something on the stage and I'll go, you know, like I'll, sometimes I'll see these chords and, and one will be flipped over and I'll sit there going, don't think about it. Just don't look at it, you know. But I'll, the whole time I'll be thinking about this one chord that's flipped over and why don't they flip that chord back? You know, that's what I'm thinking about the whole time. I'm, going, I'm ruining the whole worship time because I'm thinking about this stupid chord. You, you, know, you know what I mean? And so just don't think about that. But sometimes I fixate on it. I don't know why. But so this guy, he, he uh, put his satchel down. He had his a bunch of his stuff in there. You know what a satchel is? Remember, that's an old word for a, for a carrying bag, a small carrying bag. He had all of his stuff in there. And so when I, so when I, I, I said, good job, I said, uh, satchel. I said that. I said satchel. I was just trying to tell him, pick up the satchel and take it. You know, don't, don't leave it up there. It looks like we got luggage on the stage. So I said satchel. So later he goes, I'm really offended. He came up to me and told me, I'm really offended. I said, what are you offended about? He said, you told me sad show. I said, I didn't say sad show. I said satchel. I mean, he was really mad, offended. And because he thought I said sad show, and I said satchel, satchel. But I just thought to myself how the enemy, the enemy takes and twists things, and he tries to drive a wedge in between people's lives. Now, there are people that are genuinely evil, in the world. I'm not trying to say that everybody's good, but a lot of times misunderstandings are I just didn't think about that or I didn't I wasn't considering that when I did this. And but the enemy will use that, magnify that and try to get us into strife. I'm not talking about strife this morning. I'm just talking about your way. But I'm using this as an example. He'll try to get you into strife so that he can get capture an opportunity to bring destruction into our lives. And so we have to be on our guard. We have, to be, we have to be vigilant. That's what the Bible says. Be vigilant. Be alert. Your adversary, he's your adversary. The devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. And so he'll, he, he's an expert. He knows every weakness that you have. He knows weaknesses that I have because he studies my life. And so that's why you need other people in your life to say that. How many know this is true? You can always tell where, where someone else is, where they're missing it. Help me. Tell me, right? Like right now, you probably look at me and go, I know where you're missing it. You, you probably think that. And, and, and I know where you're missing it. I mean, I'm an expert on where you're missing it. But the problem is I can't see where I'm missing it. And, and, and so sometimes, you know, and, and I, I'm obviously... You know, I heard one time uh, Oil Roberts said, 
years ago, he said, I never made a bad decision. He, I was at a minister's meeting. He said that. I've never made a bad decision. We're all like, because when he made a bad decision, millions of people knew it. You know what I mean? It's kind of that deal. We're all looking at each other like, I, well, I can think of a few bad you know, decisions you made. He said this. He goes, he went on to say, when I made the decision, I didn't think it was a bad decision. And I go, okay, I got that. That's right. Because normally I don't go, I'm going to do this. No, most people don't do this. I'm going to do this, and I know this is going to screw my life up. This is going to cause me decades of pain and suffering. I'm going to do this. Nobody does that. They go, this seems right to me. There's a, but the Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is destruction. And so that's why what God does, what happens is sometimes we're on a path or on a way that is not good. This is not good. But we don't know that because we're just, we're just uh, you know, we, we're living by instinct. I remember one time I heard this story with this preacher. He said, before you marry somebody, you should go home and watch how things are at their home. And watch, look at the family dynamics there. Because uh, that's the environment they grew up in. And, and we learn things just by osmosis. Kind of we just, you know, we learn that's our picture of normal family life. And, he, um, and so he said he went home, and boy, he said his, the, the, his wife, to be his mother, was a, kind of a brute. I mean, I think she could probably beat up everybody in the house. I mean, he's kind of like that. And, and, he, and she was pretty rough. And so he goes, yeah, but he was in love. You know how, that, how people, how, you know, you get, when, you get, when you fall in love, you get really dumb. You know what I mean? Really. I mean, stupid. You should be locked away somewhere because you don't think straight. But anyway, so, so but he was, he was in love. I mean, love, love will conquer. Love will conquer all. <laughs> right? How dumb can you be? But anyway, so, uh, but love will conquer all. And so he married her anyways. And one time, you know, she, he, they got into a little spat because that happens sometimes, a little spat, uh, until the wife comes around to your point of view, there's a little spat. I'm just kidding. But anyway, so there's a little spat. And, and, and so he said something unkind to her. She turned around. The next thing, he turned around to walk away. The next thing he knew, she hit him in the head with a frying pan. Knocked him out cold. And uh, he goes, that was just one of the many things that came flying his way when a comment was made. And so I don't know even where I'm going with this story. But anyway, so... <laughs> But what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to say, I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but God, uh, he has a great plan for our lives, but he tells us, tells us in the word that we have to adhere to scripture. We have to adhere to what he's saying. And uh, because Jesus, remember Jesus told the story, he said, if you hear my words and you do them, if you hear them and you do them, you hear them and what? Do them, be a doer of the word. What happens, you're like a wise man that built your house upon the rock. The rains descended, the floods came, because the rains are going to descend and the floods are going to come. In other words, there's going to be things that are going to happen in your life, pressure that's going to happen in your life. But it, your house, if it's built upon a rock, in other words, you, you hear what Jesus said and you do it. Your house is built on that rock. But it's going to withstand the tests and the problems that come your way. But if you hear and you do something else, 
Because you don't, you don't not do something. Everybody does something, right? I mean, you do something. You don't just wake up in the morning and just not do something. You're, you're doing something. You're thinking a certain way and you're acting a certain way based on how you think, right? And so you are doing something. If you're doing the wrong thing, what happens is you're really not helping yourself. You're working against yourself. You really are. And what, when the Bible gives us scripture and tells us this is the way you should walk or this is the way you should live out your life, when the Bible says that, uh, what, what it's saying is I'm, I'm going to lead you in the pathways of life. I'm going to teach you to go from one, one degree of glory to another degree of glory. It's going to get better and better as you walk this life. There's going to be more things that you're going to experience. There's going to be more of the power of God that you're going to experience. There's going to be more resources of heaven that you're going to experience. Your relationships are going to be vibrant and and fulfilling. Your life is going to be filled with peace and joy. It's going to be amazing. I mean, in the Old Testament, God said it's going to be like heaven on earth. I mean, if it can be like heaven on earth in the Old Testament, we live under a better covenant. It certainly should be like heaven on earth in the new covenant, right? And so, but, 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 you have to listen. And so if God, sometimes you, we, we, we go, God, you know, my finances stink. My finances are horrible. So we think, well, God, why don't you do something about it? Well, there's several different things that, that needs to happen. Sometimes you need to adjust some things. Because sometimes, you know, if you're, if you're not handling them right, then what, what you're doing is you're, it's, it's, you're asking God to overcome all your dysfunction, right? You know, like sometimes, you know, it's a sad thing, but marriages are break up in the church almost as much as they do in the world. So you go, why, why are marriages breaking up in the church? I mean, we're supposed to have, we're Christians, you know, uh, kumbaya for Pete's sakes, and uh, we're supposed to love each other and we're, all this stuff. Why are marriages breaking up in the church? Now, if, you, if, you're, if you're in a situation like that, this is not a condemnation thing, but it's, it's just like it, it, takes some, uh, it takes some things uh, that you have to do or live a certain way in order for your marriages to work. I remember when we first started having kids, I'm kind of blowing up my sermon. Just let me talk for a little bit longer, okay? And I'll try to get back to it. But it, so I tried to, uh, when I first got married, we started having kids after about five years, we started having kids. Well, the reason we, I was reluctant to have kids was because I didn't think of myself as a very good parent. And, uh, and as we first started having kids, I was proving that out. You know, I was like, I was like the angry troll that lived under the bridge, you know, and, and I would come out and I was, you know, very legalistic, very harsh. I think that was probably the key word was harsh. And if the kids, you know, acted up or whatever, you know, I would yell, you know, pretty loud, knock it off. You know, I mean, just, you know, I had a booming voice and very, very harsh, you know, kind of. And, and you know what happened to me to change that? Because I have really good kids. I mean, I, I know they're my kids and I shouldn't brag on them. And I don't try not to, but they're really good kids. I mean, they really are. They they all love the Lord and they're, I mean, they're not perfect kids. Let me tell you that right now. I can tell you. You say, I saw one of their faults. Boy, I can give you a list. But I, but I mean, they're, but they're pretty good kids. They all love the Lord. And, and I never had to force them to go to church. I always wanted to go to church. But, and they, you know, they're, they're good kids. 
but, uh, but, but, but what changed for me, because, you know, how many know that pastor kids are notorious for being crazy? You know, they usually grow up and they don't want to go to church. They're mad. They're angry. And I thought, well, I don't, you know, I got five of them. Do I want to le- release five little demons on, on the society? Right? I mean, you're little, little demon babies. You know, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to do that. You know, Damien and, and uh, Lucifer. I don't want to, you know, do that. So, so I, I began to watch them. And I'm thinking, they're not doing very good. What am I doing wrong? And so here's where I got the revelation. I started getting a revelation of God's love for us and how God treats us and how God responds to us. He does discipline us, but God is so incredibly accepting of us that it's amazing. I mean, I'm just like, come on, God, really? I mean, he's, he's like totally accepting of people. It's amazing. To God, people are so precious to him. It's unbelievable. And so this came as a tremendous revelation to me is that kids have to feel like they're, they have to, you have to put honor on them. I remember I heard this story one time about this, this guy that came out and he was trying to make a point and he had this old violin and the strings were all kind of ratty and it was kind of a junky looking thing. And, um, and everybody's kind of like, and he says, he starts, gets up and starts talking about this violin. And everybody's kind of rolling their eyes. Look at that old beat up thing. Where'd you find that? You know, looks like it'd been used for a boat anchor or something. I mean, it looked terrible, you know. And so he's kind of looking at it and this guy's talking about this violin and he's kind of monkeying with the strings and he's doing all this stuff and, and uh, everybody's kind of finally, because people were kind of like not paying attention, you know, and, and so they were kind of like, what's he doing this violin? And he's kind of you know, tuning it, you know, and uh, plicking the s- strings and they're all kind of watching and they're, and then when he gets it all tuned, he plays it a little bit. Then he looks inside the little hole there and he goes, Stradivarius. And when he said Stradivarius, so you guys didn't act right. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> when he said Stradivarius, how many know what a Stradivarius is? Yeah, so a few of you do. Stradivarius is this unbelievable violin. It's worth, it's probably worth over $100,000 today. It's probably worth more than that. Let's exaggerate, let's say evangelistic. It's worth a quarter of a million dollars. <laughs> but when you look at it, it's just like it doesn't look that great. It looks kind of like, what a piece of junk. But when he said Stradivarius, everyone that were music lovers in the crowd, he said the whole crowd went, oh, they just took, they gasped when he said Stradivarius. And see, <clears throat> when you think about that, uh, kids, yeah, I'm not really talking about raising kids either today, but kids are more precious to God than that. But a lot of times we parents think that, but we don't communicate that. Because what we do is we're always going, stop that, quit that, what the heck's wrong with you? Quit that, shut up, sit down, you know, I mean, Right? <laughs> Oh, I know you guys wouldn't, but I mean, in our home, we were going, you know, we didn't use the word shut up. I don't know why. We just thought that was a bad word. So we'd say, be quiet, sit down. What's the matter with you? You know, we, and so after a while, I noticed that all my communication to my kids was negative. I never, I never said anything. I never, I didn't want to, I didn't want to compliment them because I wanted them to kind of stay under thumb. You know what I mean? I want this message to be in your heart that you're not a good kid. So try harder. 
You know, that was kind of my idea. If I communicate that you're not good, you'll try harder. But then I found out that that's the opposite of what you, thank you, brother, in the front row. That's the opposite of what you should do. You should communicate that they're a good kid when they have one of these moments, right? They have like a meltdown. We say, this was a little hiccup. Then you take them aside. This is a little bitty hiccup on the journey of greatness, on your journey to greatness. And we will just let this, we'll deal with this, and then we'll move on. And so then I tried, you can ask them if I did a good job, uh, I tried to communicate to them that the most valuable, the most precious, the most unbelievable thing in my life is you guys. I'd do anything for you. And so I communicated that word. Now, here's my point. You say, why did you say all that? I remember why I said it now. This time I remembered. Because what happens is I could live my life. I could raise my kids the way I was going, the, the angry troll that lived under the bridge. I could, I could raise them that way, but I'll guarantee you right now that what would happen is they would grow up being typical preacher kids with lots of issues, lots of issues. And then what I would do is I would pray to God for a solution to this situation, but I created it. And so what's the solution? You're on the wrong track. That's the solution. Get off this track because I can't continually overcome all the things that you do. You activate by your wrong behavior by not listening to what I say. Does that make sense? And so a lot of times, you know, when God, like some people have a, they, they have, we already took the offering, so this is not an appeal for another offering. But a lot of times when people, when, when you talk about money, people tense up. Well, the kids too. You talk about parents, when you talk to parents about kids, they tense up. There's certain su tub, subjects that they tense up. So you talk about money, they sort of tense up. And so what happens then, you know, God sometimes wants you to give because this will become the seed for what he wants to do in your life. You know, years ago I tell this story, and I have lots of stories along this line, but years ago I told this story about um, I, was at a, I was at a meeting, not here, but I was somewhere else. And I was with this, this couple, and they were preachers. And they were, they were, I didn't really like them. They weren't my type. They're real flamboyant, real, you know, demonstrative, and, and kind of said crazy things, wild things, and they, they would pray for people sometimes to put their foot on them. And I'm going, it's just laying on of hands, not laying on of foot. You know, I, I'd be over there, you know, analyzing everything they said. And, and so I was kind of like, Rrr. I was kind of, you know, just kind of muttering underneath my breath that this bugged me, you know. And, and so then they, they gave this long offering, which sort of ticked me off too. They were pushing for money and, and I'm sitting there going, Rrr. I was, you know, growling to myself. Do you guys ever do any of that? Okay, so I was doing that. And, man, the air conditioning is cold in here. I can't even feel my fingers anymore. But anyway, so, so I was mumbling to myself and sitting there, and, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, so then they go, well, just ask the Holy Spirit, which that sort of bugged me too, what you're supposed to give in this offering. We'll just take 60 seconds. So they, they said, wait 60 seconds. So I'm sitting there going, all right, well, you know, <laughs> Holy Spirit, what do you want? To, what do you want me to give? You know, this is years ago, and and all of a sudden, I felt 
this impression that I should give $500. Which, you know, like 30 years ago, $500 is like, what? Be like, you know, 5,000 today or something. I mean, five, I don't even like these people. I mean, <laughs> God, this is unbelievable. And so, you know what I did? I gave 50. Yeah, I'm just confessing my sin in front of everybody. In fact, I think I asked my wife, what do you want to give? And I don't remember if you, I don't, I don't remember the story, but she, she definitely always is, a, not always, but mostly a higher number. Um, uh, like I'll say, what do you want to give? She'll say, let's give the, you know, <laughs> like, can we ratchet it down a little bit? You know what I mean? But, uh, but anyway, so, uh, so what I did was I gave 50 bucks. Now, what happened was I was, a couple of weeks later, I was actually, uh, going to preach. And all of a sudden, I, I was praying before the service, and I said, Lord, I was just talking to the Lord, and, and I said, Lord, oh, I don't know where. I, I don't think I had done that for, for months or years. I said, Lord, I want you just to forgive me. just kind of came out of me for all the sins, all, all sins I've committed, you know, like lately. <laughs> You're all like, what were they, you know? <laughs> But, but so I said, all the sins I've committed, because I want to be pure, you know, I want to be a pure vessel. So all the sins I've committed, and, and then sins of commission. And then all of a sudden, this like came out of me, it says, how about sins of omission? Sins of omissions are sins you should have done that you didn't do. And I said, and omission too, Lord, sins of omission. I just said that. And the Lord said, what about that 500 bucks? And I go, what? No way. Are you kidding me? I started, I got up off my chair. I go, I don't even like those people. I started, started going, I don't, are you, are you, are you kidding me? I, come on, five, are you kidding me? $500? I said, oh, golly. So this, so if I would have been obedient, I'd only had to spend 500 and I ended up spending 550 <laughs> So I said, before I, before I get an opportunity to talk myself out of it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write the check right now. So I, I mean, right there, put it in the envelope, went out to the mailbox, put it, put the flag up. I'm, just, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not questioning it anymore. Five on, that's it. And so I'm done with it. <laughs> and I went, murmured a little bit, but not that much. I murmured a little bit. I thought, well, I feel better now because I, I felt like I did the right thing. Listen to the Lord. And uh, so what happened then? All of a sudden, like a month or two later, some guy walks up to me and gives me a check. I go, oh, thank you. Give me a preacher's check. You know what a preacher check is? Preacher handshake. You know what a preacher handshake is? You go up and shake their hand. There's something you feel in there. <laughs> what is this? You got a growth on your arm? Or, and it was a piece of paper. So I go, oh, th well, thank you. And I, I didn't know. I thought maybe, maybe 100 bucks, 50 bucks. Open up $5,000. I went. What? $5,000. I looked at that, I go, back then, that's 30 years ago, $5,000. I, I was just staring, I'm going, that's unbelievable. Because, you know, at, at, at some point, you know, when you're first married and stuff, you know, you don't have any money. So you don't, when you walk through a department store, you don't look at stuff you could buy because you can't buy nothing. <laughs> you don't look at, oh, there's a TV. You, you don't look at I can't buy it, you know, so you're just like, I, I'm going to buy me a bag of beans. That's what I'm going to buy. 
I'm at Walmart going to buy a bag of beans. That's what I'm going to buy, you know. But then when you got $5,000, all of a sudden you walk through the store, you go, I could buy that. How many know that's true? You know, I could buy that. I could buy that. I could buy that. Look at all these things I could buy. All of a sudden, new horizons have opened up to me. But when I held that check, God, this impression came on the inside of me. If you wouldn't have been obedient, you would have never got this. I was trying to help you. I go, I didn't know that. I didn't know that the two were connected till he spoke to me. All I'm trying to say is, and my time is up, but all I'm trying to say is that it's so important that we listen to God. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I didn't mean to go into any of that. Can you look at one passage of scripture, uh, maybe two passages, and then I'll quit. But this is going to be really fast. Turn, turn to uh, Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. Can you give me my glasses? Were they, were they back there? What did I do with them? Right there. Thanks. Thanks a lot. You know, it's interesting. One of the biggest struggles the early church have, and I think we still have this struggle, is to understand the difference between the Old, old Covenant, Old Testament, and the New Testament. And in the early church, they struggled with that transition because the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, was very predominant in their day, and they were trying to, they were trying to transition because the la- at the Last Supper, Jesus said, this is the cup of the new covenant I'm establishing in my blood. I'm establishing a new covenant, okay? And so in, if you read through the book of Hebrews, it says that the new replaced the old. The new replaced the old, okay? But they were living at a time where there was that transition, now, this really became pronounced when the Gentiles started getting saved. Because up until Acts 10, everybody that got saved was a Jew. And they knew the law. And they knew they had been, all been circumcised. They all knew the Ten Commandments. They all knew the other 600 commandments that Moses had given. They knew them all. And so even though they were a Christian, or they were believers in Christ, and they had been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and baptized in water, they still continued the Jewish traditions and laws. They, they lived by them. But then when the Gentiles got saved, well, none of them were circumcised. And none of them knew these laws. And so there was this, there was this argument they had, and this is what it's recorded here in Acts 15. Should we make the Gentiles, should we require that they keep all the laws? Now, some Jews said, yes, they need to. In fact, let's read a few of these verses here. In Acts uh, 15, in verse 1, it says, Now some men came down from Judea, came to Antioch, and began to teach the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. So these Gentiles obviously had not been circumcised. And so then in verse 5, when they, they all got together in Jerusalem to decide this, But some from the religious party, the Pharisees, this is verse 5, jump down to verse 5. So Paul and Barnabas tell the the elders and the apostles all the things that God did among the Gentiles. It's amazing, God did, in the salvation of the Gentiles. So then they get together, and they're trying to decide if these 
Gentiles have been getting saved, should we require them to keep the law, be circumcised and keep the law? And so in verse 5, it says, some from the religious party, the Pharisees who had believed, stood up and said, it is necessary to circumcise the Gentiles and to order them to observe the law of Moses. And then in verse 7, it says, after there had been much debate, Peter stood up. Now listen to this, verse 7 now. Brothers, you know that some time ago God chose me to preach to the Gentiles so they would hear the message of the gospel and believe. God who knows the hearts. Listen to this. God who has knows, knows the hearts has testified for them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. So now... Why are you putting God to the test by placing on the neck of the disciples a yoke that neither our ancestors nor we were able to bear? So in other words, what they're saying is, you know, they didn't, they didn't get saved because they obeyed the law or kept some purification. They got saved, if you remember the story, they got saved by hearing the message and believing, God purified their heart by faith. And we're not going to impose Moses' law and circumcision upon them because God's testified of the validity of their salvation by giving them the Holy Spirit, who is, by the way, the lawgiver. The Holy Spirit is the lawgiver. So that's why he said, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. And so like today, you know, we, people have debates about, you know, should we, and the, you know, the, the commandments are, the Bible says that they're, they're holy, they're, they're good, they're just, they're spiritual. But they're not meant to be a way to, to, to live out our Christian life. The way we live out our Christian life is by being led by the Spirit. Now, the Spirit will never lead you contrary to the, to the Scriptures because the Holy Spirit inspired the Scriptures. So he's not going to lead you contrary to the Scriptures. But here's the thing. It's the Holy Spirit's job to lead us into all truth. And when we, we give people commandments and we give them all these things they're supposed to do to change their external behavior, we cut off what they're supposed to respond to, which is the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes they, they're not responding, they're not hearing right, and you've got to say, nah, that's not right, because it's contrary to Scripture. But you, we do it injustice to people by trying to always get them, by always giving them precepts, commandments, these type of things. And we say, listen, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? God wants you to respond to the Holy Spirit. And we've got to keep people on track but we want them to hear because if, they, if they'll learn to hear from God for themselves, what will happen is they'll go farther, they'll go higher, they'll go deeper with the, in the things of God than precepts and commandments could have ever brought them because they learned to respond. And that's a good thing. The Holy Spirit will teach them. Let me show you one last verse. Turn over here to Galatians 3. So what am I trying to say? What am I trying to say? So like with me and raising kids, I, I can't tell you how many times, I, here, parents, you guys know, you're looking at your kid going, what am I supposed to do? Have you guys ever done that? 
I got beat the living day. <laughs> I could do that. <laughs> That's one, one option I have. You know, I don't know why my dad used to tell me, I'm going to give you a licking. <laughs> what is that, a licking? <laughs> I'm going to give you a licking. You know, you're gonna, <laughs> but a licking meant a spanking. I'm going to give you, I heard this one mother said, I'm going to spank you and I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> Otherwise, you got to buy that whole thing. This is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you, you know. Let's, never mind. When I was a kid, I'm going to quit. I'm going to read this last verse and I'm done. So if you didn't get anything out of this sermon, I'm sorry. That, this, but um, I remember my, my sister and I, we were only a year and a half apart. And uh, so we were at home. My dad goes, um, we were little kids. And my dad goes, stay at home. Because back then you could wander the neighborhood. My da- mom would say, come back at noon. You know, we were gone all morning. After we'd have lunch, then she'd go, come back at supper time. We'd be gone the rest of the day. She never even knew where we were, you know. I mean, things have changed, right? Yeah. So, uh, so my dad says, stay in the yard because I want to come back and we're going to go. So I don't want to go around, run around the neighborhood looking for you. And so uh, my sister goes, let's go next door. And I go, dad said we're supposed to stay in the yard. Let's go next door. We're just next door. We'll watch for him. So we had some friends next door, next door were playing and kept watching for dad. And then all of a sudden I seen his car coming. Here comes dad. So we made a mad dash for our yard, but he saw us. <laughs> and so he goes, I told you guys to stay in the yard. Now you, were, you went next door and I told you to not do that, to stay in the yard. So what, what you, I'm going to let you pick your punishment, a spanking or restriction. I'll be back to find out what you want. So I'm sitting there going, spanking or restriction? I hated restriction. So I'm thinking, a restriction lasts all day. A spanking, I mean, all I got to do is just endure a few, I got to just endure a few whacks, and I'm good to go. <laughs> My sister will be sitting in the house, and I'll be like, eh. <laughs> butt hurts a little bit, but it's, I'm good to go. So he comes back in the room and goes, which one do you want? Now, he fully expect we'd say restriction. My sister's at a restriction. I said, I'll take the spanking. <laughs> he, got so, he got him so, there are two things happen after that. He got so upset, he gave me the restriction and the spanking. <laughs> and then I noticed that we, we were on, I was on restriction a lot more after that than because he saw the restriction work. I don't know why I told you that. But look at, look at this last verse here. Are you guys sure remember my point? Do you really or do you don't remember? Okay, look at Galatians 3. It says, Oh, foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you or cast a spell on you? Before your eyes, Jesus Christ was vividly portrayed as crucified. In other words, through their preaching, they portrayed Jesus as crucified. The only thing I want to learn from you is this. Did you receive the Spirit by doing the works of the law or by believing what you hear or the hearing of faith? So what's the answer to that question? Do you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Hearing of faith. That's how, they, that's how they received the Spirit. It wasn't by the works of the law. I always, I grew up in a full gospel church, and they would always say, you know, we would tarry for the Holy Spirit, and they would always say, if you will clean your life up, the Holy Spirit will come. 
And I'm going, if I could do that, I would have done that a long time ago. That's my problem. I can't do that. I need help. I know some of you are thinking, boy, you sure do. <laughs> right? The Holy Spirit doesn't come because my life is clean. The Holy Spirit comes to clean me up. All I got to be is hungry, desire. And so he said, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law, by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun with the Spirit, are you now trying to be... be uh, to finish by human effort or by the flesh. In other words, by keeping the law. Next, does God then give the Spirit and work miracles among you by your doing the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? And the answer is believing what you heard. That's why the Bible says the just live by faith. And so when the Holy Spirit comes, let's all stand together and the worship team comes as we sing one more song without words. You guys did really good singing, though. I'm proud of you. But um, so if you're a Christian here, you have you have the Holy Spirit. You've been born of the Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. And so his job is to guide you into all truth and to lead you in how you should live your life. And other Christians, older Christians, are in your life in order to help you stay on track. Because sometimes, you, you know, Paul said, there's so many voices. And you can, you can start hearing the wrong voice. And I've met so many Christians that, you know, they thought, I thought I heard God. You didn't. It wasn't God. And, uh, and so the other Christians can be a voice of reason. Because even the Apostle Paul, he said, you judge what I say. I mean, come on. If the guy that wrote most of the New Testament said, I'm saying this, now you judge what I say. Then we need to have what we hear judged. And what I mean by that is that the enemy, because if he can't get you to, to back off, he'll push you into extremes. Right? He'll get you to do crazy things. I remember, you know, I was at the funeral, my dad's funeral, and... Remember, do you guys ever remember me telling the story about this guy? We used to preach on the street down Hennepin Avenue. The guy that used to, was up there preaching, and uh, he was a young believer, and, he, um, and one of his friends from school came walking by while he was preaching. His name was Tony. I didn't remember his name, but he, I, he was at the funeral. This guy that was preaching was there. and He goes, yeah, I remember that story. He said his name was Tony. So he's up there preaching, and then this guy from his school comes by, and he goes, he goes Tony! And Tony goes, Mark? And, and so it's kind of this funny exchange. Um, but this thing with, with Mark is that he started to get this, like, I'm supposed to preach everywhere. So, he's, so he'd get up on the bus. He, he'd take the bus home. Get up on the bus, and he'd preach on the bus. He, you know, he'd just stand up and say, start preaching on the bus. Because he said he felt like this voice told him to preach on the bus. So then the bus driver told him, you do it again, you're going to be kicked off the bus. And then he, he went to the University of Minnesota, and so he's in the library because he was an architect student. So all of a sudden he said this voice told him to preach in the library. And so he preached in the library. He said, if you want to receive Christ, meet me outside. The librarian was the only one that came. And the librarian told him, you do that again, you'll be banned from the library. So he goes, I don't get it. I said, I don't think you're hearing God. I mean, it's, it's commendable. Your boldness is commendable, but you're breaking the law. Right? 
The Holy Spirit's not going to lead you to break the law. Uh, there's, ask him for another way to be able to share your faith. But, but every, every voice needs to be, you need to be able to discern it. And so if you're not, even if you are sure about it, you should have, ask somebody, you know, this is a big step for me. I need somebody to confirm that I'm listening, I'm hearing right. And there's two things about hearing God's voice. One is, what is God saying? What is God saying? And the other is timing. See, sometimes, and I don't know why it is that way, but the Holy Spirit will show you something that's years in the future. And, and you, you think, okay, now I'm going to make it come to pass right now, and then you'll miss God's timing. Like Moses, God showed him he was a deliverer. He went there right away and tried to deliver Israel. It wasn't the right timing. He had the what right. The timing was wrong. And I don't know why. Maybe it's because God wants us to pray about stuff before it happens so that we can get ourselves ready for it. Does that make sense? I don't know what my sermon was today, but it was uh, pot pourri. But it, I, what I'm trying to say is that God, God redeems us, cleanses our hearts by faith, our faith in Christ, and gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can know what to do. Amen? Amen. Well, let's sing this song together. found him guilt when looking for my past but only found love I heard about a sea where sin sinks like stone there's no floor there just mercy down below There's so much grace There's so much grace There's so much grace There's so much grace I heard about a man with Holes in his hand, and he could hide mountains of sin in them. And his smile destroys my religion, and his love shakes down my prison. There's so much grace. There's so much grace There's so much grace There's so much grace Cause I could run for all my days But I'd never run There's no mistake I could make that would ever make you change. So I could run for all my 
but I never run away. And there's no mistake I could make that would ever make you change. There's so much grace. There's so much grace. so much grace there's so much grace there's so much grace in the arms of the Father there's so much grace there's so Let's lift our hands. Let's thank God for grace, amazing grace, grace, God's ability. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for your ability, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for your ability, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, I, I believe this, that, you know, God's lifting oppression off of us. There's people that have oppression in their lives, and God's just lifting that off of their lives. It's like he's a visible hand just lifting that oppression off of you. Hallelujah. That you can think clearly. A lot of times oppression comes because of fear, because of um, fear of the future, fear of situations. What will become of me? And God's just lifting that fear, that oppression off of your life. Hallelujah. Great days are ahead. Just say that out loud. Great days are ahead. Great days are ahead. Amen. Praise God for that. Amen. Well, remember, we have a dinner. I invite everyone to come and
participate. It's a free will offering. The money goes to camp, help kids go to camp. You don't want to eat, you want to donate, you sure can. I have some prayer counselors that come forward this time. If you need prayer for any for any reason whatsoever, um, for any reason, spiritual need, physical need, emotional, mental, you, you want somebody to agree with you in prayer about something, you need a word from the Lord, they give you, they'll give you a word from the Lord. Uh, please come forward and, and be prayed for. Amen. Lord, we thank you for this food we're about to receive. Pray you bless it and sanctify it to our body's use. Thank you for this great fellowship that we can have. In Jesus Christ's name, bless your people this week in amazing ways, Lord. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. You're free to go eat. message has been a blessing to your life. A copy of this message and additional Destiny Church materials are available at destinychurchexit77.org.